Father, we come in the name of Jesus this morning to seek your favor, to pray for a healing in our land, in individual lives and at every level of authority. We pray for healing in the church, both local and globally. We pray for a renewed vision for your people, that we would once again come to understand and be in awe of what a magnificent and great God you are. I fear, Lord, that we, we might have lost some of that. And Father, we don't come and ask these things of you and share these things with you because of our achievements, of our own goodness. We come because we have a great Savior who has made this access possible. So here we are, Lord, at the throne of grace. All because Jesus has made his way. Lord, we pray for those who are sick, those who are continuing to heal. We pray for this uh, situation in America as far as a virus. Father, it's, it's still there. But Father, we pray most of all that whatever comes our way, whatever we're confronted with, whatever we face, Whatever someone says and we're given an opportunity to respond, we'll do it with grace. We'll do it extending mercy. And we will always, always demonstrate the love of Christ in all that we say and do. And Father, we can't do that on our own. It has to be done by the power of your spirit in us so that Christ will receive the glory. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. I, I told my Sunday school class uh, this morning that uh, you got the introduction last week, and so I'm going to give the summary this week and allow you to fill in the blanks. No, we'll go through the whole thing. We'll go through the whole things. So we set our priorities. As we started this study on Romans chapter 12, we set our priorities with, with establishing and confirming our relationship with Christ. That most important priority in our life, what is our relationship with Christ? Number one, is it real? Do I have one? You've got to answer that question. And if I have one, how is it being nurtured? How am I growing in that relationship? What am I doing in my daily life to know Christ better and surrender my will to his? Am I in the word? Am I spending time with him? Folks, no relationship is ever going to grow if you don't spend time with that person. It's just not. So, so we, we began with that relationship, presenting our own bodies, laying ourselves on the altar as a living sacrifice, and note, underline, highlight, living. <laughs> we are a living sacrifice, dead to ourselves, alive to Christ. 
And then we went to other believers. What is our relationship with other believers? Are we building that relationship? Are we, are we encouraging one another? I, again, I, boy, I'm going to plug Sunday school here because I thought we had a great Sunday school class this morning. Just a, a lot of sharing. And we're in the book of Philemon and we're, we're looking at reconciliation and relationships. And, and, and it was just a, a beautiful illustration of, of how the body of Christ needs to come together. We need each other, folks. We are interdependent on each other. We need each other. That's by God's design. Because somewhere in my life, there is something lacking that you can bring, and you can help me understand, and you can encourage me. And, and I to you also, I hope, I pray, that I am able to do that in some way. So we need each other. Well, today we're going to look at our relationship with our enemies. <coughs> and... and uh, uh, not because I specifically saved this to last, but because it shows up last in the text. So I thought we'd just follow the text. So with all of this being in mind, being, being considered, let's stand at the reading of God's Word. Turn to Romans 12, or it will be on the screen also. We're going to lead, read the last portion of this, verses 14 through 21. So beginning in Romans 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil. Re repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a plateful, isn't it? Father, may we consume this. <laughs> may it be imprinted upon our hearts. This is pretty important stuff. It is your word. It is your word to us. And I think you was pretty serious when you wrote it. We need to be pretty serious as we read it. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. And it really just kind of occurred to me as I, I prayed that simple prayer Boy, we need to take this word seriously, folks. Uh, someday I'd like to do, maybe not in the church setting, but just do a Bible study of the history of Scripture, how we got it, and how much blood has been shed since Christ shed His blood in preserving this word. This is important. This is important. So as we consider our text this morning, we're going to do look at three very simple points on how to deal with our enemies, and, and we begin with a very simple, uh, a very simple process, a very uh, but important point. We must identify the enemy. We must identify the enemy, folks. There are quite often that we're we're fighting the wrong battles with the wrong person, and and we're not even we're not even addressing the core issue. 
So it's very important that we identify the enemy. And again, from the text, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. In other words, people are not our enemy. We're to live at harmony with, at harmony with them. You see, any believer that obeys God has an enemy. And it's probably, well, it's not. It's not the one who will criticize our faith. The enemy, our faith, is always the devil himself. Now, he has a number of, uh, of helpers that will come alongside at any given moment and, and help him in his work. But the life of early Christians reveals that when, a, when there is faithfulness to Christ, there is an enemy. And, and, and he is bent on stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what he does. And throughout history, he has used a number of people, a number of government authorities and hierarchy and empires and everything to try to do this. But folks, guess what? He has never been able to destroy Christianity. He has never been able to destroy the Christian faith, and this adds to his frustration. I don't know. I, I don't want to get into the examination of the character of Satan, so I don't know if it's possible for him to get any angrier than he already is, but, but, but this has to feed into his rage, that no matter what he does, he cannot stop the gospel, folks. He cannot stop the gospel. Because it is the power of God, it is the power of Christ. So, so we look at identifying the enemy. Now let's look to see what Jesus says here. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Remember the words of Christ. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Uh, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and had spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for the sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. So Jesus makes it very clear, very clear, that Christianity, because we are followers of Christ, will be hated, will be hated. And, and, and so we, we got to understand that it's the, it's, the, it's the faith that is at the enemy of the devil himself. The, the, the current persecution around the globe is, is so evident of this. And, and I would encourage uh, as many of you, uh, how many subscribe or, or get Voice of the Martyrs? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a, a publication outside of the Scripture that ought to be read on a regular basis uh, by believers here in America. Because we don't have a clue. We in America, as far as the church, we don't have a clue what persecution is. We haven't even come close. We have been harassed a little bit. We have uh, uh, been, uh, you know, there's been some laws passed and some decisions made that 
kind of, you know, uh, scratched us a little. But we haven't seen any persecution, folks, and don't think we have. Amen? We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. But it may be coming. It may be coming. So unfortunately, as we look at this, at this battle that goes on between Christians and, and, and the devil, basically, as he works through unbelievers and those who are hostile towards the gospel, but there's sometimes believers go looking for trouble. Have you ever seen that group? And they have enemies because of their lack of love and patience, not because of their faithful witness. In Matthew 5.10, we have clarity brought to this point where Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what I am not, or what I want to qualify here is I am not encouraging Christians to go out and look for trouble. Don't go out and just stir something up. You won't have to. If you go out witnessing for Jesus Christ, the enemy's going to show up. He's going to show up in one form, in one way or another. The point here in the text, I believe in summary, is hating evil, loving people. Know the enemy. Who is the enemy? The devil and his forces. Paul in Ephesians says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of an evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle is a spiritual battle. It's not against the flesh and blood. Hate evil. Love people. Love people. Hate sin. This is the pattern to follow. Remember the enemy that Christ faced while in ministry was the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion because he came with grace and mercy. And I would also remind us all to remember that we, according to Romans 5.10, we were all enemies of God. We were all enemies of God, but were reconciled by the death of his son. So we got to be careful, pointing fingers, folks. We got to be very careful. So identify the enemy, point one. Point number two is mortify the flesh. Mortify the flesh. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you, This is my battleground right here. I don't know how many of you can relate to that. This is my battleground. This this is where I I win and lose it right here. And if I lose it, I've lost it. Right? If we lose it here, we've lost the battle. So I got to mortify the flesh. What does that mean? I got to destroy it. I got to annihilate it. I got to I got to crucify it with Christ because if I react out of my flesh, it will end up very bad. It will never end up good if I act out of the natural man, out of the flesh. We got to let God fight our battles. Why do we think that God needs help winning? Am I the only one that struggles with that? You know? 
But, but literally, we have to let God fight our battles. When you identify the enemy, tell him who your defender is. The Lord Jesus rebuke you, Satan. Put it back in the authority of the one who has authority. If I, if you, seek vengeance against wrong, it will be self-driven agenda. I guarantee it. We can't escape it. Because our wrath will always overshadow righteousness. <laughs> and, and the scripture says, let God administer the wrath. Let him uh, uh, take care of the vengeance. God will always judge and even administer that wrath in perfect righteousness. We can't do that. We don't have the capacity to do that. We cannot. I don't know about you, but when I get in a discussion or an argument with somebody that disagrees with me, uh, it, 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 it isn't about, uh, I want to win. I want to win. And if they've done me wrong, at least I'm going to get even. Right? I may not come out on top, but we're going to, it'll be a wash at the end, right? I'll get even. Guys, that's a, that's a violation of Scripture. That's exactly what Scripture tells us not to do. How many times have I been engaged in a, in a conversation that could have ended up fruitful and all I wanted to end up was being right? See, guys, it, it defeats. It defeats the whole thing. And in that situation, whether I just want to win or I just want to get even or I just want to be right, it will never honor Jesus Christ. It will never honor him. A friend once told me that after a confrontation, uh, a confrontation with an unbeliever, and I've never forgotten this. This was many, many years ago. And he had to kind of describe the conversation and, and where it had gone. And he says, you know what? Sometimes you just got to get down on their level. And I've never forgotten that, folks. That was probably 30 years ago. I've never forgotten that statement because I've come to realize how utterly wrong it is. We are not called to get down on anybody's level. We are called to rise up to Christ and stand in his righteousness. You see, when we get down on the enemy's level, guess whose playground we're in now? We're in the enemy's playground. We're right where he wants us. We do not rise up, or, or excuse me, God says rise up to my level and let me have it, and let me have it. You know, I, I guess I would pause this for a moment and say, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm promoting what, uh, what would I want to say, milk toast Christianity, <laughs> okay? But folks, our strength, our strength, according to the Scripture, is shown in our humility. It's, it's shown, it's proven in our humility. And, and God never, if you go through Scripture, uh, He didn't ask for anybody to give Him a list of how good they were in any certain area. He never asked for a list of our strengths. He asked for our weaknesses. Our weaknesses. Because He said, wherever you are weak, that's where I will be strong. And so that's what God wants from us. I, I read something the other day about... Uh, a Christian who was always uh, oh, a discussion on, on self-defense and, and protecting home and property and everything. And, and they said that, uh, you know, they would extend grace 
just long enough for the intruder to accept Jesus and tell him he'd see him in a minute. You know, so I don't know if you're in that, in that page or not, but uh, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. Uh, uh, just enough grace to pray uh, and then uh, tell Jesus he'll be right there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Just remember who we fight and how we fight, folks. And that's how we build relationship with our enemies. Because we I, typically identify our enemy as people. And the scripture says it's not people. That's a hard one to get past, isn't it? Come on, let's admit it. That's very, very difficult to get past. But consider it in this context. What if we were to be as much under the influence of the spirit who has us as they are under the spirit that has them? Are you with me? What, what if we were so surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit what you see that it doesn't make sense. We we want them to be right. Well, we better be right. We better be right, and that only comes through the relationship that we have with Christ and the ongoing work of sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Remember who we fight and how we fight. And we never need to defend the Lord. Okay? We don't need to rise to his defense. He's very capable. He's been he's been around a long time. He'd been around a long time, and he doesn't need us to defend him. He, he desires for us to witness for him, to witness for him. Identify the enemy, mortify the flesh, and lastly, we must always magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. In verses 20 and 21. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. You like that part? Come on, let, let the flesh respond. We haven't mortified it all yet. Let the flesh respond. Don't we like that part just a little bit? Huh? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See that part that I want to get to, the burning coals deal? That magnifies the flesh, not the Lord. Let God have that. Let God have that. In this serious moment, I want us to consider how Christ overcome the greatest evil by doing the greatest good. The greatest good. He overcome evil by giving himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He overcame the greatest evil by submitting to the greatest good. And that's what he calls us to do also. You see, it brings us right back to the very beginning of our series. It brings us right back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, the victorious Christian life and the establishment of our right relationships with Christ, 
with other believers and even with our enemies begins on the altar of self-sacrifice. That's where it begins. I feed my enemy or give them a drink just to heap. If, if I do that just to keep burning coals on their head, I will not be magnifying the Lord. I will be satisfying my own personal agenda or, as we said, the flesh. My motive must be pure and selfless if Christ is to be glorified. I, I, I don't know. Well, I do know. I believe the reason God laid this message on my heart was, number one, to, to convict Elvin Dillard that he had some areas of concern in his life. Is that fair? Because, folks, we live in this era, in this age, and we live in a very angry culture. And we're, we're all affected by it in some way or another. And, and if, I'm, if I'm not very careful, if the Holy Spirit doesn't guard my heart and my mind, I get mad when I watch the news. And folks, nothing will ever be accomplished through that. It'll never, and, and I've got to learn that. I've got to learn that. So I'm sorry that you had to join uh, my process with the Lord. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I, I think the church needs to learn this now because I am not giving a prophetic word. I am not telling you, I'm not giving you a thus saith the Lord. But I do believe with all of my heart that this issue is going to continue to intensify. And the church is going to have to uh, make a decision on how it's going to respond. And, and we've seen the worst of that right here in Topeka, Kansas with a hate group that goes out on the streets with vulgar and vile signs and, and rips uh, a people of sexual orientation that, that we don't agree with. Now, I don't agree with the sexual orientation, but that's no way. That's no way to bring the solution to a culture, folks. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? You know, we had a little study in, the, in Sunday school. Again, one more plug for Sunday school. And we was looking at this letter to Philemon, and we looked at the way Paul began his, his letter. And he, and he started it, just like he did in so many other cases, with love and compassion and encouragement. He, he was building up Philemon before he ever got to address the issue. And by the time he had gotten to address the issue with omnipotence, good night, yeah, his slave. Isn't that terrible how you just get tongue-tied? Well, you know, he had a slave. Uh, but anyway, by the time he got there, Philemon was ready to receive the correction. And, and I think there's a lesson for that for all of us. We need to be putting, pointing out the wrong secondary to showing the love of Christ, first of all. Does that make sense? On this omnipotent <laughs> I love it. Wearsby says this, as children of God, we must live on the highest level, returning good for evil. Anyone can return good for good or evil for evil. The only way to overcome evil is with good. If we return evil for evil, we only add fuel to the fire. And even our enemy is not converted. 
we have still experienced the love of God in our own hearts and have grown in grace. Living on the altar is really about the whole of the Christian life. It begins and it ends there. Daily dying to ourselves so that we can live more abundantly for Christ. I want to read just a short paragraph. Come from Oswald Chambers. Jesus did not say, He who believes in me will realize all the blessings of the fullness of God. But in essence, he said, he who believes in me will have everything he receives escape out of him. Our Lord's teaching was always anti-self-realization. His purpose is not to develop a person. His purpose is to make a person exactly like himself. And the Son of God is characterized by self-expenditure. If we believe in Jesus, it is not what we gain, but what he pours through us that really counts. God's purpose is not simply to make us beautiful, plump grapes, but to make us grapes so that he may squeeze the sweetness out of us. Our spiritual life cannot be measured by success as the world measures it, but only by what God pours through us. And we cannot measure that at all. I think some real wisdom from an old devotional writer. So the invitation is this. Are we becoming sweet, squeezable grapes? Or are we more like shriveled up old raisins? That's what we need to answer. Because the raisin has already had the sweetness squeezed out of it. The, the juice is gone. And there's nothing left but a shriveled little mass. God wants plumpness. Plumpness. So that by his love and by his grace and by his mercy, he can squeeze his sweetness, his sweetness out of us. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had here this morning. We thank you for your word. And Father, this is, this is one of those, I guess, teachings we will call a little bit tough. Because uh, it, it, it goes against our natural ways. It, it violates the process that, uh, that we would like to carry out. So Father, we need your help. We need your help in being the people that you call us to be. Please, Lord, please, Lord, know how desperately we need you. And we confess it. We confess it this morning. We need you. We have to have you. We can't make it on our own. If we're left to our own, we'll simply self-destruct. So thank you for loving us enough to never abandon us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. For this morning's invitation, if you would like to simply come to the altar and pray, I would invite you to remember in our prayer times the, uh, uh, the prayer march uh, next Saturday morning. And uh, 
just a little word of encouragement after we return from that walk. Uh, it's very important that this facility be made ready because we got a big wedding uh, following that, that event uh, Saturday afternoon. Is that right? You guys still getting married? Still on? Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Cody and Haley will be uniting in marriage, and so we, uh, we praise God for that. So the question is, are you, not, are, are, are you united with Christ? That was a good segue, wasn't it? Are you united with Christ in a sacred marriage? Have you vowed your life and your love to him? Because he has certainly done that for us. For us, he has. He has given us a promise that he will always love us and he'll always take care of us. And I would like to respond to that with such a faithful promise. May God help me. May God help me. So as we go into this time of invitation, just please stand as we have this one final song. And however the Spirit leads you, if you've never come into that personal relationship with Christ, please Please consider that today. Pray about it. Say, God, what would you have me to do? And there may be someone here today who is just struggling with certainty. I've seen this so many times over, over my years of ministry. Somebody has gone maybe through a difficult time, and they begin to wonder, am I really saved? Am I really a child of God? Please come so we can pray through that and work through that process of knowing that no matter what we have done, if once we were a child of God, for all times, you're a child of God. So please, don't leave here with that battle. And if you have an enemy, and you know that that, that person you have identified as an enemy, surrender that today. Surrender that today. I told you, I don't like losing. Right? And if I let an enemy work on me and, and eat away at me, they get the win again. Now, don't forget the message I just preached in light of that little tongue-in-cheek, okay? But pray for that person who has come against you. Pray for them. That's the most rapid way of healing you'll ever find. Let's have our song, please. Well, folks, I'm going to ask you to, to leave here today with a level of excitement that I seen in my grandchildren yesterday morning. We went fishing. And I knew I was, just hold with me. Now, I can see, I, I, got, I get to tell you about my personal stories. But I knew I was in trouble when I baited the first hook, threw it in, and it went bloop. I knew I was going to be busy baiting hooks. But all I want to say is that moment with my kids and that excitement, that excitement. The first one, Grayson, got on. She set the hook and headed up the bank. <laughs> Folks, I want to live my life on that level. I want to live my life on that level for Christ. I really do. And it was such an encouragement to me. I, I, a personal story, yes. And I don't want to, but I, I feed on that, don't you? Kids and their excitement. And their unrestricted zeal because they exhibit their faith in exactly the same way. Uninhibited, unrestricted, they just love Jesus. Let's go 
let's go and be very childish this week. Okay? Go in peace. Thank you.